Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Uh, I am Andy Barons. I am joined today by Dalton Del Don. This is exciting to have Dalton with us. For the Tuesday pod, uh, there was a chance that Dalton was going to have jury duty today, but uh, I believe the attorneys looked at his 2021 fantasy rankings and said, no, we question your judgment. We can't have you. Thank you, citizen, for your time. Uh, but you are dismissed. Uh, so Dalton's here with us. It's great to have you. Hey, buddy. Hey, great to be here, Andy. As Liz said, there was a good chance I ended up on trial if uh, by the end of that, uh, if that actually if they even allowed <laughs> me to come anywhere near that jury. They took one look and didn't. Did not uh, have me anywhere near that. So I'm glad to be here instead talking some football with you. Hey, we have two new quarterbacks since we last talked. Two new franchise quarterbacks, our Bears and 49ers. So exciting times. And we're even in the middle of a dynasty draft. And normally I'd kill you for your picks, but you've actually made some some smart ones. So yeah, lots to talk about. Yeah, um, we'll probably weave in a little bit of conversation about we're in this Raz ball. It's a best ball dynasty. It's not a mock draft. Like we're going to play this thing out indefinitely forever, have rookie drafts every year and whatnot. Um, and it's been fun. Like it's been it's been kind of that first test of of my rankings, even though this is a dynasty and that's a little bit different, right? Like you you come out with your first draft of your initial rankings and then you have to like, but anyway, for me, maybe, maybe it's different for you, but I have to actually get in draft rooms and, uh, and, and, and see what I actually do when the clock is ticking down before I know where I stand on everybody. Like I go through and I do a bunch of projecting, but you really, you really have to test it against leagues that you care about. So we're, we're both kind of doing that now. And uh, I think I'm on a couple of your players, actually. Yeah, 100%. I've tinkered with my rankings. I thought I was like, oh, I'm actually ahead of where I usually am as far as um, having my rankings ready. But the best way to adjust them is actually put your feet in the fire and do a draft. Yeah, I've definitely tinkered with mine. And it's made me go deeper and looking in because uh, not only Dynasty, but obviously we're 28 rounds. So uh, yeah, it's actually really uh, helped me uh, get, get really ready for NFL digging deep here. You, yeah, you swooped me, Trey Sermon, even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in round three. I should have maybe have gone three straight backs, not really what normal dynasty starts are. And yeah, yeah. No, you've actually made some some picks that I've been like, who did that? Oh, it's in Barron's, uh, even the Taysom Hill swoop. Uh, so some, yeah, some some uncharacteristic uh, savvy moves by Barron's. We're going to we're going to talk a little bit about Trey Sermon later. Um, I'm anxious to talk about him because I feel like I feel like he's getting a little bit slept on. But before before we dive into the ranks and that's really what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about sort of the first iteration of our 2021 fantasy rankings. Before we do that, we have a handful of news and notes that we got to get to. And I just I feel 
I'm a little torn about this because I don't totally feel like he's fantasy relevant. And yet I also feel obligated to mention Tim Tebow um, because he is currently controlling the news cycle, right, in uh, across sports platforms. Um, he's going to get a look in Jacksonville. It's a one-year deal. Nothing guaranteed, obviously. The guy's 33 years old. He's going to be 34 when the season starts, I believe. He has been away from football for years. He was briefly a farm system met. Uh, messed around with baseball. Um, now he is trying to transition, not just not just transition to a new position, but he is transitioning to a position that has a huge learning curve in the NFL for people who've already played four years at tight end in college, right? Like this is not a simple position to transition to, but he's going to, he's going to try to do it in a summer. So um, I have a lot of respect for him actually for, you know, not abandoning his, uh, his ambition to, to play relevant football in the NFL. I think that's, I think it's great. I think it's kind of a fun story and also kind of a terrible story. Uh, What do you think the chances are that number one, that he actually makes this roster and then, and then number two, that, that maybe urban Meyer actually legitimately tries to turn him into some sort of gadgety thing. Um, Whether it's a, you know, sub package guy near the goal line, are we going to see him vulturing touchdowns from fantasy relevant players? Like, I I don't know. How are you feeling about this? I I don't see any fantasy relevance here. I guess there's a 5% chance he makes the team, but I doubt he makes any impact if he takes it a step further. He hasn't played in so long. You mentioned the tough position to transition to. I guess the depth chart is pretty wide open, but obviously they have a lot of, uh, I I, I don't know, Tim Tebow. It's yes, he's Tim Tebow. That's why we're talking about it, but let's move on quickly because there's, there's no fantasy relevance here. I'd rather talk about Tom Brady turning his Twitter profile into, into laser eyes because he's into Bitcoin personally. (laughs) That's what I'd rather talk about than, than Tebow. But, but uh, anyway, we, yes, Tim Tebow it dominates the news cycle. So, okay, him joining Urban Meyer is pretty, pretty funny and, 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 and whatnot. But no, this is not going to help your fantasy teams. Did Brady really do that? I haven't even seen that yet. He did. He did. Yeah, no. Uh, Russ, Russell Okung said that uh, he called him the tipping point. Tom Brady's official. Go to his Twitter profile right now. He has laser eyes. Oh, man. It's happening. A, it's happening. That feels yeah, like it's yeah. kind of a jump the shark moment, actually, for crypto. Um, it's like, not or, the top. Or it's, it's, or not it's the just top. No. Tom trying to seem like a young person. Hello, hello, fellow yeah, young yeah, people. Yeah, um, yeah, anyway, yeah. I like I, I feel like the only fantasy relevance to Tebow is actually what he what he might take away from other players. Like I do think there's at least a I don't know five ten percent possibility that they deliberately want to use him in some sort of you know I don't know Taysom Hill light sort of sort of version. He's a, I will say this: he will be a very difficult player to cut if he's still hanging around into August because not only is he a Florida legend. He is an absolute Jacksonville legend. Like that's where he that's where he sort of hit the national scene as a as a as a prep prospect. Um, absolutely legendary high school player in Jacksonville. So it's just a it's just a tough place to cut him if you're eventually going to cut him. Like you either in my mind you either have to say no thank you um, we're we're interested in you as an advisor but you can't make this roster or like you have to do it now because it's going to be really hard to do it in August. Real quickly, I will say Carson Wentz taking over Indy, uh, Tennessee, I think is going in the wrong division. I have my eyes on Jacksonville at plus 700 to win this division. I know Urban Meyer might turn into be a total donkey and draft to the, the running back right away, but there's some interesting pieces here, and all Trevor Lawrence does is win. I think at plus yeah. 700, of, our, of all the long shots in the division, my, my eyes are, are right, right on Jacksonville. A little bit Atlanta too, but, but I like Jacksonville. You really just got to get to nine. You get to nine wins, and that's a fun bet, right? Like if they're just playing five hundred yeah. uh, football for much of the season, you get into November, and you've got something to root for. That's that's a good call. It's a really really good call. Um, another thing I want to mention really quickly, I, I just want to note, like, did you see DK Metcalf's hundred meter race? 
Yeah, let me talk about Bitcoin. I got to let you talk about track. I mean, this is right up your scene here. So go ahead, Andy, talk about it. It's pretty cool, right? I mean, a lot of athletes claim they can run the 100 like this or to claim their Olympian speed, but uh, pretty cool to actually see DK Metcalf try it. Yeah, so that's where I was going to go. And I have all the respect in the world for DK, uh, for DK Metcalf for doing this because we hear this every single year from an NFL player. It was, it was Adrian Peterson back in the day. And Peterson is obviously, he's a fast human being. He never ran the kind of like high school track times that would make you nationally relevant. But like Adrian Peterson used to say he could make the Olympics. And obviously Tyree Kill thinks about it every now and then. And Tyree Kill was like a legit sprinter at the like junior college level, high school level. Like he was a nationally relevant high school sprinter. So he can talk, but but almost none of these guys can talk. Like when McCole Hardman says that he's one of the fastest guys out, like, no, like you're not. But but DK Metcalf actually put himself in a race with like Olympic hopefuls. The heat that he was in was not our like, you know, cream of the crop guys who were definitely going to the Olympics. It wasn't Noah Lyles. It wasn't Trayvon Bromel. It wasn't guys like that. It wasn't like Olympic favorites, but it was pro runners. And he didn't he didn't get walked or anything. It's not like he embarrassed himself like he he was ninth in his heat but he was in the camera frame when everybody finished and he started great, which is the crazy thing for somebody who's like six, four and 230 pounds. Like you would have thought that he would just not get out of the blocks really well. He did spring is, is highly technical. He clearly worked at it. Like he's been, he's invested himself in this since like January. So I just like tip of the cap to him. I have all the respect in the world for this. I, I, I will also tell you, I don't think that there's, Maybe Hill could do it. I don't think there's there's any other NFL players right now who could just walk on a track and go and go ten three five ten three six. And well, I imagine he trained some, as you mentioned. Obviously, he's mostly training for football. So, like, this is really incredible. If he if he just concentrated all of it on just sprinting, imagine he'd be even closer. You know, obviously, he's working on his upper body and, and other strength in areas that probably sprinters ignore. So, pretty impressive that he can. You know, he's going to be uh, suiting up for the Seahawks in a couple of weeks, and him to come, as you said, within frame. Yeah, I will say that that I I saw a few people on Twitter suggest that oh, if he were to just drop thirty or forty pounds, that that he would be a a, a serious Olympic medal threat. And like, it's I just want to say that it's not the same. That's not how for, it works for DK Metcalf to just drop thirty or forty pounds. Like a normal human being, people that you interact with day to day, yeah, maybe, maybe they have twenty pounds, thirty pounds they can lose. But DK Metcalf is a uh, he's a pretty well conditioned athlete, right? Like he doesn't have a lot of spare weight. He's also like six four, um, so it's it's just not that easy at that size to get down to like one ninety and do it efficiently, and you know no problem whatsoever. A few months and and all of a sudden you're ready to to break ten. Um, anyway, ton of respect for him for doing it. I don't think there's, in my opinion, there's there's probably not anybody else in the in the league right now that can that can step onto a track and go and go ten three anything. That was super impressive. Love that he did it. Final order of business that I think we have to talk about before we get into the, into the ranks. And, and I'm really only talking about this because I saw some other fantasy analysts tweet about it. Carry on Johnson. He was waived by a, a team that is going nowhere and is rebuilding and is is pretty terrible, right? Like carry on Johnson waived by Detroit, uh, claimed by the Eagles. And, and then we had a bunch of fantasy guys weighing in about how this is this is scary in some way for Miles Sanders. I just I just don't think so. I didn't adjust any ranks off of the carry on Johnson news because he's been, I mean, this guy hasn't been good for two years. He's, he's had knee issues. He's had some significant injuries. Um, he's basically been a three and a half yard per carry runner for two seasons. And, and last year he was just getting outproduced by everybody else who got carries for the lions. So I don't know, this didn't do anything for me. Did it do anything for you? 
Kerryon Johnson showed up uh, after that knee surgery with a big old brace last year. So I'm curious if he shows up with that again. But if, if it's the same runner he was last year, this is a zero, a zero burger. But still, I'm still, uh, maybe I'm not as bullish on Miles Sanders as you are, though, because of the drafting of Kenneth Gainwell. They did sign Jordan Howard. Um, and now they have a quarterback that may not throw to his running back as much. But he also might open up the yards per carry. And Sanders had that 80-yard touchdown run once Hurts took over. And I get the upside, but I do worry about his durability. I have him as my running back 18, Sanders. His ECR right now is running back 14. So it looks like I'm down on him. It sounds like you're a little bit more more into him. Yeah. I'm actually not, you know, I think I've got him outside my top 15. I'm not, I'm not I don't feel super bullish on him. I just didn't consider Gainwell in particular. The, the carry on like, Johnson, yeah. Yeah, carry on's not doing anything for me. I think that's, I mean, I certainly think that's competition for like Jordan Howard and Boston Scott, but I don't think, I don't think Miles Sanders is sweating carry on Johnson. I don't think there's a single thing that carry on Johnson does as well as Miles Sanders. So I, I wouldn't be particularly worried about that. I know that carry on was, was, was a relatively high draft pick back in the day, but the Eagles got him off, off waivers, right? Like that's not, that's not the Eagles problem. They didn't draft him anywhere. So I, I don't think they're particularly invested in him. Gainwell, I, I feel like I've talked about a couple times. This is another Memphis running back that fantasy Twitter is excited about. I mean, it has, sometimes they pop, sometimes they don't. Um, caught a lot of passes. He can do that. I don't think he can run between the tackles. I wasn't like, I, I didn't consider him like any sort of wow runner from, from what I've seen of Gainwell. We'll see. He's another guy that I don't think does anything as well as Miles Sanders, but we'll see. He could be a factor. Um, I thought this was a pretty good off season for Sanders, all things considered, be- only because there was so much reporting that suggested they might be in on a day two running back and they didn't take one. Yeah, I agree with you totally about on Johnson. It's not much of a, a big deal whatsoever. I still, though, think there's enough competition with Scott and, and maybe Howard's goal line. And the fact that they have a quarterback who could both take away the goal line rushing touchdowns or a lot of them and is yeah. not going to throw it to him a lot and not going to throw it to him a lot. Those are concerns when you also add in his durability pass. So that's that's why I'm just a little down on Sanders. Certainly not because of the addition of on Johnson. Where Where are you at on DeAndre Swift? Unfortunately, also a little below blow market on him. I love the player. Uh, man, he just looks like a monster. Could easily be a top five fantasy back, no question. And Detroit is going to try to break the kneecaps and, and going to run the football. But um, they added <laughs> Jamal Williams, and this is going to be a bad, bad team. One of the worst offenses with Jared Goff and no receivers and a bad system and a, a, you know, a, an archaic uh, mindset. Don't you disrespect TJ like Hawkinson that way. Yeah, no, I love Hawkinson. Oh, yeah, he's going to get all the targets. <laughs> love him. Another great, yeah, nice pick view in the Dynasty one. I was definitely had my eye on him the round before. Um, but yeah, it just looks like uh, Swift is probably going to be drafted ahead of when I'm willing to just because of his situation. Certainly not the player. He passed the eye test, looks like a stud. I mean, he's a star in real life, but hate, hate his situation around him. And also another guy I, I worry about, you know, durability. What about you? Yeah, the, it's it's the team context that really that really gets him for me. It, it's so it's so hard to have the sort like think about the season that James Robinson had for Jacksonville last. It's just really hard to do. It's just really hard to be like a like an upper tier fantasy running back on an absolutely miserable go nowhere team, right? And that and it certainly looks like that's what Detroit is going to be. They got a couple of names, but it's a terrible receiving core. They had holes absolutely everywhere that they've partially addressed through the draft, right? Like they're doing some things. Um, I I could find reasons to be excited long term if I were a Lions fan, but I don't think this is going to be any kind of season for them. And it's just really, really difficult for any running back to carve out significant fantasy value given that sort of team context, like a team that might legitimately win 
one game, two games, four games, something like that. And that's what that's what he's facing. Um, he's a super capable receiver. We like that. You know, it, it makes him a little bit impervious to game flow. So that's so that's good. But I've got him. I've got him 15 among the running backs right now as a as a just a pure player. I like him a little bit better than that. But I, I don't think I can pull the trigger on him um, much higher. I do think Jamal Williams is a thing and is a pass catcher. He proved it. He worked hard during the offseason before last, yeah. and it showed last year. I think he really could cut into work a little bit more than people expect as well. So speaking of better team context, I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire one spot ahead of Swift, the more I thought about it. Man, he did not impress as a rookie on the field. But his uh, team, uh, he, now he also suffers some of the same problems with having a, uh, a dual-threat quarterback. But the Chiefs are going to score so many more points. And I still, uh, Damian Williams did not return. So what do you think about CEH versus Swift? Yeah, well, you, you mentioned the Rasball draft earlier. I, I took CEH. And, and he's, a, he's a good example of someone where, you, you know, when you look at the year-end numbers, if we hadn't drafted him in the first round, like if, if it weren't for the fact that he was going with like the seventh overall pick or whatever it was by the time we actually hit the, the start of September, if we'd been drafting him where we were drafting even Swift, I think people would feel a whole lot differently about him. I, I like, I think we'd like him because he, because he came in at what, like four and a half yards per carry last season. It's not like he was inefficient. It's not like he was, you know, 3.8, 3.9 yards per carry or anything like that. He can clearly catch the ball. Um, his, his one major problem, and it happened to hit during some national TV games because the chiefs are always in, in spotlight games goal line carries right like he got opportunities inside the 10 and he didn't convert them I can't I can't remember one where I thought to myself oh wow almost everybody scores there how did he get dragged down like it it wasn't I I didn't consider it a huge negative the Chiefs may consider it a negative but he's still in in my view he's still somebody who's going to get 65 70 percent of the backfield touches for a team that can score whatever number it needs to get to, right? Like the Chiefs are going to average between 30 and 35 points per game. And he's the he's he's basically the feature back for that team. Um, Williams is behind him. They add Jarek McKinnon, who no team is going to give Jarek McKinnon more than like six touches a game. So I just don't see any threats there to him. And, and he was like, again, the underlying numbers just weren't that bad. Don't have a short term memory. Before the last two years, Andy Reid was like money for his his RB one in fantasy. And yeah, I, mm-hmm. I mean, Damian Williams did not come back. Of Jarek McKinnon's toast, uh, man. Damian Williams put up really good numbers when he was a feature back down the the stretch before the season before last. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I know that he gets the May uh, nickname now, but Ceh was such a good receiver at LSU. I still I don't know why that didn't translate yeah. as a rookie. But the Chiefs rebuilt their offensive line during the offseason. The more I talk about this, and I, I really think that drafters are going to be down on him it looks like in early adp or at least comparatively so yeah man he, he looks like an intriguing buy for me yeah i feel like we've we've let him slide down to the range where we wish we'd drafted him last year instead of you know all of us sort of collectively talking ourselves into him as a first rounder and and yeah that didn't yeah. work out but um the, the opportunity there is just so great you mentioned what Damian Williams did at the end of the season, just, just a couple of years ago, he was also doing that on just like 14 or 15 touches a game. That wasn't even a huge workload. He was scoring twice a game um, and carrying fantasy teams in the most important weeks of the season. And he wasn't even getting what we would consider like a, like a workhorse uh, uh, sort of workload week in and week out. So if CEH gets even a little bit more than that, I mean, there's a lot of room for profit here. Yeah, I'm regretting not taking him in the early third in that dynasty. You got him late third, too. I mean, oh, so funny. Another, I almost took Cam Akers in the early first, and he falls all the way at the end of the first for you. And then I almost took CH at the early third, and he falls all the way to the back end of the third for you. I don't know. The rest of the league's asleep at the wheel, if you ask me. 
let's actually let's roll right into uh into the into the rankings because you man you you had some spicy stuff in there like your ranks are always fun you do i don't mean this this will this may sound like a backhanded compliment i don't mean it that way because i i truly admired that the way that that brad evans has always ranked players is like if he has a strong feeling about a guy you are gonna know it from looking at his ranks, right? Like, like Brad always had that thing where, like, if I don't like Adrian Peterson in a given week, I'm gonna make him RB45 or something like that. Some some place where he would never finish. Like, he just, just simple declarative. Like, you just knew where he stood from his ranks. And man, you are taking some stands in your in your first uh, your first draft of the of the seasonal ranks. I loved it. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into that a little bit, um, just so people know. We we of course our our general rankings that we publish to the site are are based on you know Yahoo default settings one QB leagues twelve teams half PPR blah 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 stuff like that so they're basically their half PPR rankings and also none of these things are like chiseled into stone tablets okay this, this is the first draft of our ranks that w- that we just hit the street with like a week ago so we're, we're gonna mess with them like things are gonna happen in the off season guys are gonna get hurt. Guys are going to get suspended. Um, there's still a few veterans out there that need to get added to rosters, and like ranks are going to change. Things are going to happen. So this is the first batch of ranks that we've produced, um, and you've got some you've got some fun stuff in there. I'm gonna we'll start with just the consensus top twelve. This is the you know combine them all, put them put them all in one big stew. Me, Harmon, Liz, Pianowski, Dalton, all the ranks together. This is our consensus top twelve, and I. I have some disagreement with this, but anyway, this is where we are. Number one, McCaffrey. Number two is Dalvin Cook. Number three is Derrick Henry. Number four is Saquon. Number five is Jonathan Taylor. We'll talk about him in a second. Number six is Kamara. Uh, Kamara. Uh, number seven is Zeke Elliott. Uh, I don't have him there. I don't have him as a first-round player. Number eight is Nick Chubb. Number nine, Tyree Kill. Then Stephon Diggs. Then Aaron Jones. Then Devontae Adams. We are going to get into the Packers skill players in a little bit because they uh, face some headwinds at the moment. I, I just like as I look at that first round, I guess I would argue pretty strenuously that Travis Kelsey ought to be in there somewhere. Um, I, I've got him in my top 10. I'm a little surprised that the player who last year offered the greatest positional edge uh, is not in anybody else's first round. But anyway, I'm on an island there. Um, again, we'll talk about Adams a little bit more. But uh, why don't we why don't we start it with you and Jonathan Taylor? Because I. I feel like like when I rank a guy number two, y- you pretty much know that I was tempted to make him number one. So like, w- were you not tempted to make Jonathan Taylor your number one? You have him number two right now. We all have we all have Christian McCaffrey as number one overall. But I know you love Jonathan Taylor. You loved him go- going into his rookie season, uh, and then obviously he finished with an incredible second half. So talk to us about Jonathan Taylor, your number two overall ranked player. A couple things. So I rank as as if how I would draft. Maybe it's just a laziness uh, factor, but I literally just want to go off my own sheet. So I'm just putting it how I would personally draft. And that's the way it is. Sometimes there are major outliers. I do like to look at the market. And if I'm way off, sometimes I will just correct halfway. Um, And and I should have done that more last year. Um, Sometimes this results in me finishing with good rankings. And then this year it's going to be a disaster. Last year I was, you know, really down on (laughs) Allen and Brady and the fantasy pros are going to kill my, my accuracy score is going to look really bad being an outlier. I was off last year, but I will say some, some of these ranks we go over, I'll be, um, you know, I'll have strong conviction, a hot take others. I'll be like, it's, it's one tier ranking in tiers is usually more helpful, but um, Jonathan Taylor specifically, 
No, I think McCaffrey's the clear number one, especially in, in PPR. We're talking half PPR even then still. I think McCaffrey really is. I know coming off, maybe this is the new normal in injuries and all that, but I think with his resume and based on all these question marks afterward, I think McCaffrey's the clear number one. And then Taylor, for me, number two, obviously Marlon Mack is what people are going to say, but Marlon Mack is an okay back before he tore his Achilles. And, and Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, I used to everyone used to point to Le'Veon Bell that could show that running backs can improve in the NFL, but that was in between off-seasons. Man, Jonathan Taylor did not look great the first month last year when he immediately became the starter. You know, I was like all excited because I was in on Taylor uh, and Mac immediately got that opportunity. But he really came on down the stretch. I uh, don't need to bore you with the numbers, but he averaged, you know, 120 yards over the final seven games and a touchdown per game. Their offensive line, yes, they lost Costanzo, the left tackle. But you look at his run blocking grade. Very, very poor. They upgraded with Eric Fisher at left tackle as far as run blocking. Um, they have other good lines there. Carson Wentz, he'll still dump the body. Hines, Hines is there, and I, and, I, and I get that. But, man, Taylor, he's a monster. He would have been a top-five pick in the NFL draft if NFL teams treated running back position as they did in the past. I mean, you look at his me- workout yeah. metrics through the roof. He's the real deal. I think he's going to get more targets. I'm all in on Taylor. I love the fact, you know, you have to face the Titans and, and, and Houston and Jacksonville. That is a division uh, that looks very favorable uh, against opposing defenses. So, yeah, Taylor's, Taylor's my number two uh, with, with confidence. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, Dalvin Cook, if you said they're both going to play 16 games, fine, give me Cook. But I think you have to project him like my guy George Kittle. You have to project two to three missed games. I, I, so that, that's why I have him three behind, behind Taylor. Yeah, the, the point I always like to make with Taylor, and it, and it actually it holds up for for several other uh, Wisconsin running backs, right, is is just because a player doesn't get a chance to to show that he possesses a trait at the college level doesn't mean that he he doesn't have it coming into the NFL, right? Like Jonathan Taylor was a comfortable receiver almost right away, right? Like they were throwing to him right away um, and, and had a pretty significant receiving workload. I want to say from week one. That, that was never a worry as a as a rookie. And it was a major concern, like as he came into the league, right? It, it just happens sometimes. Not everybody, not everybody is Sean Green. Not everybody comes into the league having never caught a pass and then continues to not catch passes. Some people just weren't asked to do it at the college level. And that turned out to be the case with Taylor. So I like it. Oh, he, he caught th- 36 of 39 targets he secured. And all the underlines, that's the yards per route run were actually really good at yeah. Wisconsin. So yeah, they didn't feature him, but he can succeed when given the opportunity. So yeah, I'm all in on Taylor, man. He looks so good. I, yeah. He passes the eye test. Uh, what, what's, I mean, what is the argument? Just the fact that the lack of track record, I guess, uh, that, that'll be a theme here, as like you see with Akers. I want the guys coming up, whereas, I mean, what was the stat that no one's uh, age 26 or older has been finished as a top 10 fantasy back the last three years or something? I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. It's becoming even more and more of a young man's game. Yeah, it's position. not so much the it, I, I would say that it's not so much the lack of uh, history with Jonathan Taylor as the immaculate history with Derrick Henry. Right, He's coming up, he's coming off two straight rushing titles, a 2000 yard season. No, no, he doesn't catch the ball. But catching the ball is is just I don't know. It's kind of a it's kind of a little flourish. It's almost a luxury if you're going to score 16 to 20 touchdowns a year. So like Henry not only has the track record, but he's the absolute. I mean, every everything that they do in Tennessee is is hinges on Derrick Henry's performance. All he's got to do is stay healthy, and, and Derrick Henry's going to fall into 1400, 1500 yards. So that's what you're up against. Like if you're ranking. Uh, Jonathan Taylor over over I, I get it with Dalvin Cook I, I can understand some level of injury concern um, for, for me even even without much of a receiving workload like I just need Derrick Henry to do normal Derrick Henry things and he's getting 1500 yards and 16 touchdowns and so then that becomes the bar that Jonathan Taylor has to clear.
Yeah, I just feel ever so slightly more comfortable, the younger player with the fresher legs, than, like I said, he'd be the first running back in the past three years, starting at age 27 yeah. season to finish top top 10. But I love Henry. There's no argument here. I mean, I, the few guys I got right last year, I had him above market. But coming off 400 carries, I mean, it's 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 just, uh, you know, he dealt with the hamstring injury the year before. But I absolutely love Derrick Henry. He's a beast. He's a, yeah, he's uh, he's one of the most valuable non-quarterback uh, offensive players in the league, for sure. No, no argument if you wanted Henry above Taylor. That's that's for sure. Okay, let's let's talk about uh, uh, Cam Akers, who who you have number five overall. Um, I I just took him in this in this Rasball Raz Dynasty draft. I like him, but I'll, I'll tell you in a second where I'm where I'm conflicted with with Cam Akers. I I mean I really like him. I like the opportunity. Obviously, we like the offense. Um, you've got him in front of Zeke. You've got him in front of Saquon Barkley. In front of Nick Chubb. In, in front of Alvin Kamara. Um, for, for me, he's my running back eight overall. I think I'm picking like 10th in that Rasball League. So that's that's why he fell to me and I was I was comfortable taking him. If I have a concern, it's that his his underlying numbers look almost exactly like Daryl Henderson's. Um, there there was not a lot there was not a lot that separated him in terms of of actual production last year from the guy who was theoretically his understudy, right? Like it was clearly Cam Akers' job by the end of the year. And the most important games of the season for the Rams, it was Cam Akers and Cam Akers alone. Um, and I will also say that the most impressive game that I thought he played, he played in the postseason, and like we tend to forget those things, right? Like they don't show up in the seasonal fantasy stats and then poof, they just go away and we don't care about him. But he, I mean, he carried that team against Seattle. Um, it was a, it was a signature game. I thought for him, he was, he was absolutely fantastic. He had some other big rushing games earlier in the year, like in, in December, but I didn't think he had to work very hard to get him. Like he'd have these breakaway runs where he wasn't touched until he was 60 yards downfield. And then the first guy to touch him tackled him. And I wasn't actually like, he had some games where like all of Twitter was, was blowing up about him. And I just, I just visually, I just was not that impressed like they were games that I thought almost any other starting caliber running back could have got the same yards and then he really wowed me in the in the Seattle game in the playoffs and that and that changed my mind a little bit but are you is is any part of you concerned about Daryl Henderson who again averaged more yards per carry and was essentially the same dude last year that Seattle game uh, came with a banged up golf. Everyone knew Akers was getting the ball every carry, yeah, and he still yeah. ran. Yeah, ran for 130 yards in Seattle. Very impressive. I think he was banged up as well. Yeah, Daryl Henderson was PFS highest graded rusher through three weeks last year. But I'm just listening to McVeigh, who uh, I believe traded up for Akers. He's just called him a special back, and every down back he clearly treated him as such down the stretch. I'd like to see more targets, and I get it's a bit of a risk where I have him ranked since he's never done it for a full season. But I would argue all the guys right below him Elliot Barkley um Nick Chubb they all have either their durability or 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 workload uh concerns as well so yeah. I'm just thinking here Sean McVay feature back even when Gurley was on one banged up knee who by the way is basically out of the league already one banged up knee was leading the league in touchdowns still in this system and that was with Goff now we have Matthew Stafford just a massive upgrade so and the best defense in the league maybe so I just love this setup feature back in McVay's system with all these weapons and now Stafford I mean I think Akers yeah that's that that's my my my, my theory here but again you haven't seen him do it a full season but I love the setup and uh yeah he really really looked strong down the stretch last year the fresh yeah. legs guy again it's it's hard for me to to sweat the full season thing and then we haven't seen him do it over a protracted period of time because man we saw him do it all december and then in in two huge spots in the postseason where as you say everybody knew where the ball was going because jared goff was banged up right like he was he was great against green bay uh in the in the playoffs but that was green bay and everybody put up numbers against green bay but that 
I thought that Seattle game was really special, and I thought he uh, uh, really forced some some impressive missed tackles in that game that made me think, "Wow, okay, here's here is finally a game that Cam Akers is giving us that that I don't think just anybody in the league could could give us." I, I thought he was I thought he was genuinely special in that one. So he, I mean, he's a top ten running back for me. I have a little bit of Daryl Henderson concern, but uh, but that but that's about the end of it. Let's let's talk one more running back here at the top, um, and that's Antonio Gibson, who like. I feel like you and I are actually on an island with Antonio Gibson because I am pretty high too. He's he's uh, he's number twelve for me. He's number eleven for you overall. Nobody else has him higher than eighteen in the overall ranks, right? But I'm like I'm looking at Antonio Gibson at the end of the first round and the start of the second round. Like that's where I'm totally comfortable taking him. He was I thought he you know we haven't talked about this a lot when we talk about draft winners. I thought he was a pretty big draft winner. There was a little bit of buzz that Washington could do something at running back, give him a you know kind of a maybe it would just be an upgrade for the for the JD McKissick part of that platoon arrangement but um but that didn't happen right like they they seem fully intent on rolling with Antonio Gibson perhaps in a bigger role this year um he was phenomenal last season and again there's there's no one really threatening him so you landed him in the like late in the second round of that of that Rasball draft and I was I was I was pissed because I because I thought about him, you know, I'm picking like 10th in that thing, which means that I had like the 10th pick and the 15th pick. And I thought about him hard at 15 and I was kind of regretting not taking him. And then you scooped him up. Um, I like him a lot. Yeah, there are not too many 22, 23 year olds uh, with the setup. I, I, I would in a dynasty, I'd prefer a younger quarterback tied to Washington. But man, everything else you love, especially with Fitzpatrick, uh, with Samuel joining McLaurin, who played on two high ankle sprains last year. Um, if it's not the Rams and it might be Washington who have the league's best defense. So I similarly yeah. like the setup here. McKissick is I, I would prefer him gone but um Gibson was uh, the receiving he did at Memphis you'd think there's more upside for him to be more involved as a receiver at the NFL level so yeah I guess you know you don't want to bank on touchdowns repeating but it was nice to see him uh so strong down there and yeah Memphis back that certainly passed the eye test love his setup and I moved him ahead of Aaron Jones which may seem uh crazy but I really worry about Aaron Rodgers which we'll talk about later and who are the other backs I mean you I I mean I'm sure Harmon will feel strong about Eckler over him but I think all these guys after him have equal or, or more question marks. I mean, Tony Gibson, as a rookie, had barely had any carries in college, you know, just had uh, 11 touchdowns rushing. So I, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, that was... I'm, that was by far the most impressive thing is he, you, you know, we, we talked about uh, learning positions earlier with Tim Tebow, like Antonio Gibson was absolutely new to the running back position, like absolutely new at the NFL level as a rookie, when you would expect everything is moving a little bit faster than anything he's ever seen before. And he thrived. He was great. Um, I, I expect him to have a, a, a huge goal to go role all season long. The idea of Antonio Gibson repeating with double digit touchdowns is not like that seems about right to me. I've got him. I've got him projected for double digit touchdowns. Like I think that's definitely happening. I think he was a he was a draft winner. Um, I think the offseason is going well for him so far. We'll see how it carries into the into the regular season. You you mentioned Aaron Jones and I'm I'm with you. Like I've got I've got Gibson. I've got Gibson ahead of Aaron Jones right now. So let's just let's just talk about the Packers problem and we'll kind of pin it to Jones and Devonte Adams, I guess. Um, so Devonte right now. Now, his consensus overall rank is 12. He's the consensus wide receiver three at Yahoo. I, I don't have him there. I've got, I've got him overall. I've got him. I've got him 22. You've got him 19. Like, obviously, this is all dependent on Aaron Rodgers. And I, I understand if somebody just wants to rank the entire player pool as if there's no question with Aaron Rodgers. And let's just pretend that Aaron Rodgers is definitely for sure. No doubt about it. The Green Bay Packers quarterback. I don't, I don't know how you can say that there's no level of uncertainty there, though, is the thing, right? Like, he, 
he's he's pretty open about not wanting to be with the team, um, floating the idea of potentially sitting out. Um, obviously, you know, investigated the possibility of landing in San Francisco. Denver's interested. He's interested in Denver. Um, that would be a great fit. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, let, just talk about your approach with your rankings with respect to all the Packers skill players knowing the Rodgers problem. Yeah, I'm treating it like it's a real threat that Rodgers moves. He just seems like a stubborn player. It seems like he's he's uh, contacted potential free agents and said that I'm not returning. Uh, all this all this smoke. I think there's fire yeah. with him, and I think Denver Denver makes so much sense. You wait to June first, and uh, I think it helps the cap situation. They could offer two firsts. You know, one of those receivers and Drew Locke, and it just makes total sense that the fact that Broncos passed on Justin Fields at the draft really opened my eyes there. So maybe I'm being selfish because right. I, I I laid a little money on the Broncos at 50 to one when I thought Deshaun Watson was going to get traded there. So now suddenly I'm like, ooh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, um, <laughs> but um, I, I really do think, man, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm off here, but I certainly think it's, it's there's enough of a of a possibility here if I were in a draft tonight. I would uh, I would bump uh, Devontae Adams down a little. I mean, he would be by far the number one with Rodgers. He led the 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 world uh, in yards per route run last year, all the targets and whatnot. But the drop to Jordan Love would be absolutely drastic. There's no way you could take him. Uh, you could take him above Diggs, Hill, or I'd even argue AJ Brown or Justin Jefferson with Jordan Love throwing him the football. So I mean, yeah, and, and obviously it would hurt Aaron Jones as well. So um, I'm not sure what you could really do as far as Denver. If you're in a best ball or something, maybe you try to load up in the back half and maybe bump up. Your guy Javante Williams. Um, but man, I, I think there's a real, real threat that Aaron Rodgers is moved this offseason. Yeah, I, I'll tell you my wide receiver ranks right now. I've got Hill first, I've got Diggs, I've got Hopkins. We'll talk about him later. I've got Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, and DK Metcalf all ahead of Devonte Adams. I think I approach this fundamentally the same way that you do, which is which is to say that like my ranks at any given moment reflect the way I think I would draft tonight. And I, I just like how can I be so, so obviously if we knew that Aaron Rodgers was totally happy and was going to be a Green Bay Packer, I would, I would again, have Adams probably atop my wide receiver ranks. Um, he's a touchdown machine. They, they have just a mind meld together, right? They're obviously a wonderful combination of, of, uh, receiver and, and quarterback, but there's enough uncertainty for me. Is it 50, 50? Is it 60, 40? I don't know. There's enough uncertainty for me that I have to draft him at a place where I'd be comfortable if someone other than Aaron Rodgers is throwing him the football and, uh, and, and I just can't have him in my top five. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Rodgers is, he's, he's different, man. And Brett Favre, he says that I'd be surprised if he returns at this point. So I don't know. It's tough to, to, to believe, you know, Schefter was so certain my Niners were drafting Mac Jones, but honestly, I wouldn't, <laughs> um, I wouldn't just take this, you know, I mean, I, you had a great tweet too. It's pretty funny that his threat is I might host a game show, but Rogers does have these options and he is stubborn and he yeah. might retire. I don't think that re- retirement is totally out the window. I mean, I think that is another option too. So I don't know. It's interesting what's happening. There. It's obviously the story of the off season, but if you, if I had to place my money, I'd say, I think he gets traded to, to, to the Broncos. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, and I'm beginning to treat Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, and Noah Fant as if um, there's a there's a non-trivial chance that Aaron Rodgers is going to be their quarterback, right? Like we have to think about bumping all those guys to to a certain extent if you're if you're drafting best ball right now. Hey, I drafted KJ Hamler and Jordan Love in our our, our dynasty. They're really late. Uh, I saw the Jordan Love for that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I respect and Hamler it. I respect too. It. Rodgers is going to be hitting. Rodgers is going to be feeding Hamler. Let's uh let's talk let's talk DeAndre Hopkins because you you have ranked him in a spot where you will absolutely never get him. 
Like if, if this is legitimately how you feel going into drafts, there's just no chance that you're ever going to land DeAndre Hopkins. I'm sure it hasn't happened yet. Um, he's, he's my wide receiver three. He just had 160 target season, caught 115 balls, over 1,400 yards, a little light in terms of touchdowns for all that volume, but still 115 catches is a year. And that's basically what he does year in and year out. It was his first year in the system, just met his quarterback and uh, goes and, and puts up 1,400 yards. So that's quite a year. Um, you have him at wide receiver eight, which isn't, I'm not going to say that's disrespectful. That's a top 10 receiver. That's a, that's a wide receiver one for fantasy purposes, but you've got a number 27 overall, which basically means you're never landing him. So I, I don't know. Talk expectations for Deandre Hopkins was last year. Do you think that represents like his ceiling and he's just not going to get any better than what he just did? Hopkins is fine. And this is just a tier thing. And maybe Kyler Murray's second half was just that shoulder injury. Um, but 6.6 YPA, the touchdowns definitely light. And this guy now approaching 30 and all the other guys. I mean, I guess my, my main argument is less uh, anti Hopkins than it is Diggs. Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, and D.K. Metcalf. Yeah. I would all unequivocally rather I have on my team. Maybe McLaurin is a bit of a reach. Fine. But those six, I would happily bet any amount of money anyone wants a one-on-one bet with Hopkins versus any of those. They're all younger and in, in is as good as systems, in my opinion. I mean, you're going to take Hopkins over A.J. Brown? I mean, without, without they've lost Corey Davis and Jonu Smith and a bad defense. And what if Henry gets hurt? And look at what he did with two knee surgeries in the offseason. I mean, I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, after what Justin Jefferson did as a rookie, or we're talking Tyree Killer, Stephon Diggs, I don't know. I just don't think it's that crazy to have him below those six guys. Yeah, Brown is, uh, Brown is one of those names, one of those few players that I that I could actually right now comfortably project. And this is, this is almost crazy to say because our problem with A.J. Brown is that he has not seen targets, right? Our problem with A.J. Brown is that all the good things he does, he does off of like six targets a day <laughs> every, every week, right? Like he, he still hasn't had a monster target season. Right now, just looking at that team, if they're going to even throw the ball 400 times, he's going to see 180 of those. Like there's just nowhere else to go. So AJ Brown is somebody that I could that I could comfortably project for at least as many targets as DeAndre Hopkins, and there there just aren't that many guys out there like it. That that could change if you know if Tennessee decides they want to get in on Julio Jones or something like that. But there's not there's not very many ways to add relevant receivers at this point. I guess the Jets could do something with Jamison Crowder, but there's just not that many names that are going to change teams. I get the targets mean everything. I, I totally do. But I mean, DK Metcalf last year, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. I mean, Hopkins, 1,400 yards, six touchdowns. Metcalf was in year two in the NFL. I mean, we just saw him sprint, as you just said. I mean, how how do you not project him, you know, to move a step forward, whereas Hopkins is like, you know, more so in the a, a receiver approaching age 30. And I don't know, is Kyler Murray a star or is he even good? I don't know yet. I don't, I don't, I don't know that, but I don't know. That's, that's my thought process on, 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 I do not hate DeAndre Hopkins. He's fine. My wide receiver seven ish, you know, a part of that tier, but yeah, I'm just going after the younger guys. Well, let's, let's talk about a, another younger guy here then. Uh, and, and this is a player where again, you, I feel like you and I are kind of on an Island with a, with a guy and, and this is, this is going to be Najee Harris far and away for me. I, like I, I published some, uh, some rookie dynasty rankings a week ago and, uh, Najee Harris to me is the clear number one. He is also for me, a, a top 12 fantasy running back. I've got him 12 overall, uh, or I've got him, excuse me, I've got him 12 at the position. I've got him 18 overall. He is RB 13 for you and your number 16 overall player. I actually, I would love to talk to Pianowski about, uh, about Najee Harris because he has him at, at RB 27 overall at, at number 56, which to me, I mean, obviously Pianowski is never going to land Harris if he thinks he's RB 27 right now. I see a guy who, if he just stays healthy, is definitely getting 300 touches. I mean, 
Mike Tomlin has said many times over the years that he loves to have a featured workhorse runner. They drafted Najee Harris to be that guy. I totally appreciate that um, they are in a transition period in Pittsburgh and the offensive line is not what we've grown accustomed to over the past few years. But I mean, he's going to get 300 to 340 touches this season. I don't see anything standing in the way of that other than injury. So uh, I, I assume you feel the same way. So the offensive line is a concern, as is Big Ben, man. He was just looked yeah. toast the second half last year. It allowed defenses also to cheat and crowd the line of scrimmage. I mean, you look at that sack total of Big Ben. That's because he called hike and then threw the ball immediately. Having said that, though, <laughs> as 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 targets uh, are matter for receivers, it's all about the volume for the for the running backs. And man, if I was talking myself into James Conner in the late second or early third last year, you really got to like Najee Harris in the mid second. I mean, just look at his college resume. He's going to get the receptions and the goal line work. I mean, it, the setup here is just are immediately three. 300 plus touches so that that has to be a second round pick in today's landscape I mean it just simply has to be no matter and this is still a Pittsburgh team with a good infrastructure obviously a lot of of receivers and one of the league's best defenses so I mean maybe Big Ben totally isn't washed I mean even if he is washed I think he's just the volume he's going to be a top 15 back if Big Ben isn't washed then Najee Harris has a chance to be immediately a top five fantasy back yeah, that's that's basically how I feel. Like again, we've t- we've talked about the offensive line. He can be um, if if you're getting a workload like 300 touches, 320 touches, 330, something like that. You, you can be inefficient. It's it's fine, right? <laughs> right? Like you can average 3.8, 3.9 yards per carry. It's fine. Um, you're you're going to run for well over a thousand yards. You're going to deliver 1,400, 1,500 scrimmage yards on that sort of workload, even if you don't have a good season. Like you can you can personally have an inefficient season. It's just too much damn work. Like there's, it's very, I find it very difficult to project Najee Harris for like, I don't know, 200 carries. I don't know. I don't know how you get there. Like, I, I don't know how you look at what Najee Harris's setup is and, and you don't say, okay, that's 250 or 260 carries. That's, that's what it is. They took him 24 overall. Um, he's going to get a ton of work. He's going to get all that he can handle. I, I want to also talk, and, and this is a guy that you mentioned earlier, Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon is actually, and I feel like this is where my my dynasty rankings got a little spicy. My rookie dynasty rankings got a little spicy. He's my number two running back. I feel like there is sort of a, a chalky version of, of rookie dynasty rankings right now where ETN has to be the number two running back. And then it's and then it's Javante Williams. We we know that Javante is is sort of the heir apparent in Denver. There is not a landing spot of any drafted player that I liked more than Trey Sermon going to San Francisco. I freaking love it. Um, there is no other running back on that roster who is who is even under contract next year, right? Like, so sure, it's a it's a big mess now. Uh, it's Mostert and it's Jeff Wilson who they love and they add Wayne Gallman and, and Trey Sermon comes into this. None of those guys are, are under contract, I, I believe, in 2022. This is... This is the Trey Sermon show next season. He was he didn't have the career, obviously, that ETN did. He didn't have the career that some of the other marquee uh, running backs did. But his best games were better than anyone's. Um, His performance in the Big Ten championship game, 300 plus rushing yards against Northwestern was sick. Um, His performance against Clemson was unbelievable. Um, Like his his best games and his just stylistically, he's so perfect for what San Francisco does. I loved everything about it. Really like the player. So I, I don't know your thoughts on. I mean, I I want to let you take a victory lap on Trace on Trace Sermon. I'm so happy about the pick. I'm glad you love him. The uh, it's tough to rank the the Niners backs in redraft leagues this year, but I've actually settled with Sermon pretty pretty high. I, uh, I feel like. 
the season's going to open with Raheem Mostert starter, but man, as much as I like him and the upside, uh, the guy has 282 career carries, approaching 30, one of the most uh, injury-prone backs in all of football. So Sermon, who belt with some injuries in, in his past too, but um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to like here. Reportedly ready for pass protection, not super fast long speed, but um, the burst is there. He was Matt Waldman's number one back, and that guy grinds all the college tape. And they just love the situation he's in, man. My Niners, number two run-blocking unit, according to PFF last year. They brought back Trent Williams. They signed Alex Mack at center. They drafted guard Aaron Banks. I don't know if you saw him. He's a, not a tiny human being. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Shanahan, people think of the shenanigans in the committee, and I guess that might be a little bit of a problem here and there. But if Mostert goes down, I mean, there's just undrafted Jeff Wilson. Um, yeah, they did add uh, Elijah Mitchell later, but man, Sermon, they traded up for their running backs coach is in. There's a lot of upside in this system. I understand that Trey Lance, yeah, he played safety in high school. He could take some rushing scores, but Shanahan offense with the, with this run blocking zone scheme, uh, Sermon could be like an RB one down the stretch for fantasy uh, managers right away in year one. A couple things occur to me here. Number one, how many teams are going to run the ball more than San Francisco this year? Baltimore, who else, right? Like they're going to run a lot. Um, so there's, there's going to be plenty of work for Trey Sermon. And, and number two, I, like as a, as a rankings process question, when it's a situation like Trey, Trey Sermon, where your, your inclination is, okay, he probably doesn't start the season as a guy who's getting more than, you know, eight, 10 touches a game. And that, and that's bad. And like, if he spends half his year that way, it's going to affect his year-end numbers. So then you're thinking to yourself, okay, I can only rank that guy so high if I want my rankings to be super accurate, right? But if I really want to help people and I, I want to give people a difference maker at the end of the season, somebody who is going to, as Cam Akers did last year, like it, unequivocally, if you ranked Cam Akers high relative to consensus last year, that that helped people um, because he was a, you know, if not a league winner, he was definitely a player that you were riding late in the season wonderful player to have on a roster that's what trey sermon can be uh in my view like you might not love september and october but i feel like once we get into november and december there's a really good chance that trey sermon is is great so then how do you express that in ranks and i like the way you did it where you're just like i'm, I'm gonna call him my my rb 23 <laughs> you're like i'm just gonna let's let's just skip ahead to the part where he actually takes over and i and i want to express the fact that i, I think he's going to be a difference maker late in the year yeah, it's probably safer that Melvin Gordon's going to finish with more stats, so it helped me in my accuracy ranking, you know. But um, I, I believe that Trey Sermon has a far greater likelihood of winning your league for you than, say, a Melvin Gordon type. So that's that's again how my yeah. thought process for the rankings. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. Um, okay, a couple other players that I want to that I want to hit real quick. Um, you and I are actually kind of a mile apart on J.K. Dobbins. Um, he's he's number forty four overall for me. He's number twenty one overall. For you, he's my RB twenty-one. Your RB fifteen. It it should be perfectly clear what my what my issues are are with J.K. Dobbins. Number one, they don't throw to him because I mean they're not going to throw to Gus Edwards. They're not going to throw to J.K. Dobbins. They didn't do it last year. I think there may have been one, maybe in the postseason game they they threw it to. I don't know. There, there might have been one isolated game where he got like four targets or something like that. But for the most part, he's going to get like a target a week and and not much more. So there's there's no reception upside there. He's he's real good. You know, he also has the rushing attempts from Lamar Jackson to contend with, right? Like Lamar is at this point settling in as a thousand yard rusher. So J.K. Dobbins has that to worry about. He's got Gus Edwards to worry about. Like Baltimore loves Gus Edwards. He is going to retain that role. He's going to see carries inside the five. 
he's going to get his 700 plus rushing yards per year like he has every season he's been in the league. It's a huge rushing pie in Baltimore. I get that. Like nobody's going to run the ball as often as the Ravens do. But but Dobbins isn't guaranteed every goal line touch. And he's probably going to catch like I would legitimately project him for like 14 catches on the season. So talk me into J.K. Dobbins as something more than a than a low end RB2. Well, he did have 18 catches in 15 games when he, in a rookie season. He only started one game, but the targets actually dropped in the second half. Uh, I definitely hear you there. And it's also tough. Didn't to he have like a five-week stretch in which he saw two targets? It was something like that. It's That sounds right. And it's also tough to repeat the yards per carry that 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 strong. But it's such a system that could, you know, with Lamar Jackson as his quarterback. So um, this one I won't be uh, too strong about as you're talking. I moved Clyde Edwards-Hilaire one spot above him, so down to my number 16. <laughs> but the backs I have below him... DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, I've went over the warts on them, and your guy, David Montgomery, Chris Carson. I mean, I, I, I certainly don't see the arguments for the, any guys I have right below him. So your guy, David Montgomery, you taking over? Uh, I mean, because there's a, there's a good, a, a nice juxtaposition there, an all-volume type guy down the stretch. But actually, he passed the eye test, and maybe there are more volume uh, questions with Tariq Cohen and the additions they made. So um, I hear your criticism with Dobbins, and you're really relying on the touchdowns, but I do think the touchdowns will be there. And this is a guy who... Had one start last year, so I'm just uh, projecting an increase in volume for him. But I do hear you as far as the concerns as, as a lack of receiving. Officially, David Montgomery for fantasy purposes, not my guy. I, <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't want to be too closely associated with David Montgomery. Um, I do reserve the right to root for him pretty hard on Sundays because I mean he's my Bears running back. Um, I, I don't think David Montgomery is like he's a perfect example of somebody who's not a particularly special runner by NFL. Really wonderful college player. Um, battled through injuries last year. I have a lot of respect for him. I don't think he's a particularly special runner. Um, we, we haven't seen it yet in, in a couple of NFL seasons. And he, again, great year last year. I don't think that workload exists for him in a normal season like Tariq Cohen's going to come back he got he got hurt really early in the year he comes back and Matt Nagy loves him like loves him like a like a like a kitten loves him like a pet right like he's just he's not going to not give Tariq Cohen his 120 or so touches like all all that receiving workload that went to that went to David Montgomery as soon as Cohen went down like that's going to go away that's going to go right back to Cohen so I just don't think the receptions are going to be there he could he could eke his way over a thousand rushing yards for the season. I could totally see that, you know, touchdowns are a little bit fluky. So maybe he has a, you know, maybe gets eight, something like that. For me, that's not going to make David Montgomery much more than like the RB 18 or 19, something like that. So I'm not, I'm not super bullish on Montgomery. And I actually don't see the path to a huge workload. I, I see people making the argument that David Montgomery is now a high workload running back, but I, I think it pulls back a, a pretty significant amount. One thing I'll concede with Dobbins is, well, I still argue with my RB16. Maybe uh, it's auto-populated a little too high on my overall, um, and maybe a, a wide receiver is a little stronger there as far as, uh, like, a, say, a late second-round pick or something. Because um, I hear you, it's thin with, with the projected volume with him. I really do hear that. I mean, it, 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 yeah, that, that maybe a, a mid-second-round pick is just simply too high for someone who's looking at so few targets. Yeah, he's one of those super format dependent players too. Obviously, full PPR, um, he gets he gets dinged a little bit. I want to I want to close this rankings discussion though with what I consider to be your spiciest rank, and I I man I respect this one. I'm almost jealous of it. I, I have not been able to get there on CD Lamb. CD Lamb is your wide receiver twelve. You have got to be the high man in the industry on CD Lamb. I would be shocked if you are not. 
Um, you have a number 35 overall. He is, he is consensus at Yahoo. He's 49 overall. And the rest of us are all almost in lockstep. Like we all, we all have him basically in the same place. Nobody's, nobody's particularly high or low, except for you who have him, you, you have him as a wide receiver one. Um, so tell me why I should be taking him ahead of Michael Thomas, ahead of Julio Jones, ahead of Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. You've got him ahead of all those guys. I, I like it. I like it. I like him with Dak Prescott. I like him as a second-year player. I can talk myself into a higher rank on CeeDee Lamb. I just want to hear you do it. Why is Cooper ranked above him? He just put up the same stats, literally the same amount of touchdowns, a couple fewer yards as a 22-year-old. Um, Cooper has that injury history. Uh, before Dak Prescott got hurt, he was on pace to shatter the passing yards. Right? He said, I don't care if there are a few yeah. mouths to feed there. That defense is horrible. Elliot, Ezekiel Elliott may be totally washed. Um, just, I mean, did you see the, the touchdown catches CeeDee Lamb was making? He's just going to be a force in the red zone. Um, again, as a rookie doing that with horrible quarterbacking for the majority of the season. So um, I will say this is just a gigantic tier uh, between my number 12 all the way down to my number 19 i will say that this is he's the top of a of a gigantic tier i could be talked into uh forming it in any way but yeah man give me cd lamb more like td lamb man he's gonna he's gonna go off this year. yeah yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah i actually have no problem uh conceiving of, of cd lamb as, as a as a wide receiver one i feel um i feel almost like a coward for not having it myself like i i feel like this is a this is a rank that back in the day like andy barron's in his prime probably would have had CD lamb, uh, as a top 12 receiver. And I've, it's just another sign that I'm, that I'm past my peak as a, as a fantasy ranker, just not bold enough. Um, but the same cannot be said of you. These are, these are spicy ranks. These are bold ranks. I really respect it. Um, I like where you have CD lamb. I think I can talk myself into having him at least over Amari Cooper as the Cowboys wide receiver one, if not an overall wide receiver one. Yeah, Michael Thomas is a guy I'm unsure about. Um, I'm assuming I'm lower than most now, but I could be talked into going higher. Where where are we on him? I almost want to know who the, I don't know, to some extent, like, do I, do I care who the New Orleans quarterback is? I probably do. That's, that's one of the things that I actually felt best about in the, in the Rasball draft is I, I, I did the, uh, I did the Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston double dip. Cause I know that I'm going to get like, you know, there's, there's going to be three to five times during the season when one of those guys pops as, as my starting quarterback in that league. I kind of like that. Um, but it is just plainly not as good as having anything close to what Drew Brees was not even, even back half of his career, Drew Brees back, you know, back third of his career, Drew Brees. Um, we're not going to get that quality of quarterbacking out of either Taysom or Jameis Winston. Jameis might get there on volume. Um, Jameis might get there on his willingness to go deep downfield. Um, but man, it, it is, it is not the same situation for Michael Thomas. There's no path to 140 catches, 130 catches, right? Like we have definitely seen the best of Michael Thomas and it's not coming back. No, no fault of his own. Really. It has a lot to do with who's not his quarterback. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got him outside that, you know, I listed my top seven or eight wide receivers and he's not in there. You know, he was, he was my number one last year and he's not even close to it this year. Yeah, he's never been a huge touchdown guy. I have CeeDee Lamb, and I even have the Rams receivers with Stafford uh, ranked slightly ahead of him right now. Yeah, I can see it, like it. Again, that this is just the first iteration of our ranks. I'm sure we'll have plenty of time uh, later in the summer and as we get into the preseason to talk uh, revisiting rankings again. Thank you guys for listening. As always, I am on Twitter at Andy Barons. That right there is at Dalton Del Don on Twitter. Want to make sure you're following him. Uh, if you are looking for college football talk or college sports talk generally, you want to follow the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our good friend Pat Forty from SI. 
You guys should also be listening to Post It Up with Chris Haynes for more in-depth conversations uh, from the NBA world. Check us all out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. Huge thanks to Brett Rader, our producer. That is it. We are out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.